Welcome to the TLC, the Life Coach Podcast with Matt Halloran. Every week, one of the world's top life coaches, Matt Halloran, will share his wisdom through stories and ideas to help you live the best life possible. Success is only a podcast away. Now, please welcome your host, Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome. This is Matt Halloran. We're going to go through another podcast today about how to be an angel here on earth. This is episode number 18, part three of five. I need to be really honest with everybody as as I begin this podcast. The story that I'm about to tell you is very, very difficult for me to get through. And uh, many times I have gotten very teary or verklempt or even cried at the end of this story. So I'm going to warn you if I pause, I I haven't left the podcast and the podcast isn't over. I'm just taking a breath to collect myself. In the first two podcasts in this series, we talked about a person who was an angel to me, my beginning journey of how to be an angel to somebody else. And this story here is really when I realized about the power of La La Land. So for those of you who might be listening to this one and haven't listened to the previous two podcasts, La La Land is look, assess, listen, and act. So it is a state of mind for you to be receptive to those people who need your help, who want your help, and who will allow you to truly be an angel here on earth. My wife and I moved to Omaha, Nebraska soon after we got married. It was a tough move because we left both of our families. And in fact, it was the first time that my wife had been away from her family her entire life. So here's this guy who marries this wonderful woman and whisks her off to the middle of the country to literally nothing but cows and corn. It was a tough go at the beginning. It's hard to really get settled in and try to find a good group of friends. And my wife and I both had a couple of different jobs. I actually went down there because I had gotten an internship doing biomedical ethics with a large hospital system down there. And I was there for about six months, and I realized I couldn't do it anymore because everybody around me died, and that was just a little bit too depressing for me. My wife started going to school to become a schoolteacher. High school biology was her goal. And while she was there, she was talking to one of the professors, and one of the professors said, where do you want to teach? And my wife said, I want to teach at-risk kids. I want to teach kids who are difficult that more other, most other people don't want to teach. And her teacher put her in contact with this couple that worked at a place called Boys Town. Now, depending on your age listening to this podcast, you might have no idea what Boys Town is. Boys Town was an Academy Award-winning film many, many, many years ago. The film itself is gut-wrenching. It's beautiful. But it's about a guy named Father Flanagan, and Father Flanagan created this place, this safe place for boys to go when they had nowhere else to go. And Father Flanagan firmly believed that there was no such thing as a bad boy. There was just poor decisions, poor parenting, and a poor environment. My wife comes home. She's so excited about this. She says, Matt, I think we should apply to become family teachers at Boys Town. 
And I didn't really have an active father figure growing up until I was much later in my life. And so I thought to myself, man, this is a great opportunity for me to be a dad to all of these kids who don't have dads because most of them didn't. And my wife is an incredibly strong woman, and I know that she would be the great role model that these boys needed to see what a real relationship, what a real strong woman would be like, and what a loving father would be like. So we went through the interview process, and it was brutal. Man, they asked us every single solitary personal question you could ever imagine. Luckily, we passed the interview process. And soon thereafter, we moved into a house on the campus where there's like 78 houses. So 78 couples help hundreds and hundreds of children. And we were put into a program called STP, which stood for Specialized Treatment Program. We, because we didn't have children at the time, worked with younger children who had very high rates of behavior. Really, really high rates of behavior. These kids would tell you things about your mother that would make a sailor cringe. We had this one kid. His name was Joe. He was eight years old, and when he came into our house, he smoked two packs of Marlboro Weds a day, could hotwire a car, and began the process of becoming a pimp. You think you know people who have it bad, and you might. These are some of those kids. About nine months into the, our term there, our director called us into a special meeting. And, and the special meeting, this doesn't happen very often, but it happens when there's an especially tough kid who's had very tough circumstances, and we all come together as a community to help treat this kid, to help standardize, normalize, make this child a productive member of society, have this child understand opportunities and, and understand that there are people who truly love them for no other reason but the fact that they're just human beings on this earth, unconditional sort of love. When the director stood up, he said, we have a really tough one. And he said which house the kid was going into, which wasn't our house. It was actually our neighbor's. And he said, we found this child or child protective services, found this child locked in a refrigerator as punishment, covered in his own feces. He hadn't eaten, hadn't brushed, hadn't showered in weeks, if not months. They actually didn't know where his parents were, but somebody had reported that they had locked this young man in this refrigerator. We were lucky that he was even alive. Now, there are many angels in this world, and I don't pretend to be one of the better ones, but we were surrounded by people who were angels at Boys Town, people who gave of their lives, who worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week to just help children. I called him my little gentleman, and he got to the, to, to the house, and our first task as a community, was to get him to make eye contact and smile. Because he wouldn't make eye contact with adults because he was afraid of adults. They had consistently beat him or treated him very poorly. And honestly, at this age, he had no reason to smile because his life was a living hell. Everybody took turns spending time with the little gentleman. 
And for some reason, and I don't know why still to this day, the little gentleman liked me. So when we would do group events with the rest of the community, my little gentleman would always be right at my side. We would do lots of fun things. And in Omaha, there's the greatest zoo in the world as far as I'm concerned. It's, in fact, number one in the nation, probably still today. And he didn't like crowds and he didn't like confined areas for, of course, very good reason. So he always stood right next to me, even though his family teachers, his house parents, were a little farther ahead. And the director our coordinators and all of the people who supported us said that it was fine because he was making a connection. It took us three months to get this young man to smile. And when he did, we celebrated like you wouldn't believe. We celebrated with him. We celebrated with the team. We celebrated with the staff. We celebrated with everybody we could because that was such a huge, huge breakthrough. And after the smile, came the eye contact. And after the eye contact, he started learning social skills, how to follow instructions, how to interrupt appropriately, how to make friends, how to introduce himself, basic skills. And all of the sudden, this dark, sad child started having this flame, this fire, this life start open up inside of him. And it was remarkable. I spent a lot of time with the little gentleman. Took him fishing. We had this great stocked lake. You could pretty much throw anything into the water and you'd catch something. And he loved fishing. He said, I always wanted to fish when I was at home. Boys Town gets a lot of perks. As well they should because it's such a magnificent organization. And one of the perks that we got was we would get tickets to the College World Series. And these weren't like crummy seats. These were good seats behind home plate. We had gotten six tickets to take our boys to go see the game. Now, these are kids with high rates of behavior. I'm going to digress for a moment because I think it's important for you to understand. These are kids who truly have ADHD, like kids who can't pay attention for more than minutes. These are kids who have major anger issues. These are kids who show early onset bipolar disorder, depression, uh, personality disorders, anything that you can think of. These were those kids, like the kids you would read in a psychology textbook in the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual. These are those kids. Almost every one of my kids was on not just one, but up to three medicines multiple times a day to manage their mental health and behavioral issues. So we're about to take four kids to a college World Series game, to a baseball game with 1,000 people, commotion, distraction, Food, beer, cigarettes, everything that could have tempted these kids. Anything could have set any of these kids off. And we would have been smack dab in the middle of a thousand people trying to control a child who was what we used to refer to as out of control, which means he wasn't following any instructions. He was doing whatever he wanted. 
And normally when our kids were out of control, it got pretty ugly. We had one boy who sat on his knees and screamed and cried for 12 hours straight. We still to this day can't figure out how he didn't lose his voice. But we waited him out. And his behavior started to change. But back at the College World Series, I was there with another family teacher, and we rode in one van. Now, we had these really big vans that I'm sure you've seen. They're like these Dodge or Ford, you know, 12-person vans. And it was very apparent in Omaha when Boys Town showed up somewhere because we drove all of these vans. And there would be, you know, like me and another guy or another woman with a whole slew, slew of kids who none of them looked alike. So it was pretty apparent that we either adopted a whole bunch of kids or we worked at Boys Town. The little gentleman sat right next to me. Now, I'm not a huge fan of baseball, um, and most kids can't really sit through nine innings. I mean, that's a lot of sitting and doing nothing. So we would play games with them and, you know, uh, just do little things to keep their attention because we wanted to make it to the end of the game because this was the 4th of July. If it wasn't the 4th of July, now that I think about it, I think it was the end of the season, the regular season. Yeah, that's what it was. It was the end of the regular season. And there was going to be this gargantuan fireworks show. Now, I love fireworks. Part of it is just me growing up and just the spectacle and wonder of the chemical reactions exploding in the air just make me so happy. And we knew it was going to happen. So the kids had to make it through the game. About the eighth inning, the top of the eighth inning, the kids started getting squirrely. We had two kids who started really not following instructions, and it ended up getting rather ugly with many, many swear words directed at us. And so one of the family teachers decided that he was going to take three of the kids back to the van, and we were going to leave early. Screw the fireworks. We weren't going to make it that far. It was kind of a pipe dream in general. But you know what? We gave it the college try. So I stood up and I turned to my little gentleman and I said, hey, man, it's time to go. And he said, no. Now, this is the first time that he had really stood up for himself and didn't follow an instruction. Most of the time, he would follow an instruction dog-headed, right? He'd kind of drop his shoulders and drop his head and really just do the instruction because he was always forced to do them when he was a kid. And if he didn't follow the instructions, there would be massive consequences. And I was really taken aback by this as, as my, my, my fellow family teacher is walking off with these other three children, who, by the way, were incredibly relieved they were leaving. And that's really why they were misbehaving, because they were bored and tired and wanted to go home. And so I waved at him and I gave him the, he gave me a second sign. And he said, you know, hey, I'm going to go to the van with we some like, hand signals and stuff like that. And so I sat back down next to the little gentleman and and the game's still going on, top of the inning's done, bottom of the inning's done, top of the ninth, you know, we're getting ready to wrap the game up. And, and he's not saying anything. Any engagement that I try with my little gentleman is, is not working. Now, I'm starting to get very anxious here because I know within probably 15 minutes, 
this place is going to be a zoo. There's going to be people everywhere making to the same exits, getting in their cars and trying to get out as quickly as possible. And I also knew that my other family teacher was already probably at the van with three misbehaving children locked in a van waiting for me and my little gentleman. Once again, I turn to him and I say, hey, man, it's about to get really crazy here. We probably should get going because if not, we're going to be stuck here waiting in all of these lines. I promise you we'll get somewhere where we can see the fireworks. No. I'm trained for this. I'm I'm actually very well trained for this. Boys Town's training is remarkable, unmatched behavioral training. And so I go through every technique I know. Empathy statements, praise statements, redirective statements, engagement statements, anything I can think of to get him to say anything but no. Bottom of the ninth. I have no idea who won. I don't care. Somebody did because there was cheering. And at this moment, the little gentleman turned to me and he smiled. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? He's been saying no over and over again. He wasn't even watching the baseball game. He was looking down at his knees. So it wasn't that he loved baseball. What was going on? And so I did what, of course, I was told and trained to do, which was, hey, Good job making eye contact. Thank you for giving me a warm smile. Are you ready to leave? And with this huge, bright-eyed smile on his face, he said no. I don't know how many times you've been to a baseball stadium. There's a very unique smell. It's like a combination of nachos, body odor, and beer. It's quite disgusting, if you ask me, and it's not a smell that I really enjoy. And being less than a fan of baseball, this whole experience wasn't one that I would have put on the top of my list until this happened. Whatever I said took him a minute after he said no to sink in. And he said, okay, Mr. Halloran. I'd like to leave, but I'd like to leave slowly. And it was headway and progress. And as a Boys Town family teacher, you're always looking for those openings because it gives you an opportunity to praise and get them back on the right track. So I said, hey, man, stay really close to me. There were already people getting up because the fireworks were about to begin. And we get about to the end of the aisle. And all of the sudden, the sky lights up. Beautiful, humongous fireworks. Loud sounds, loud sounds that you felt hit your body as you saw the explosions. Music. The smell of the fireworks. 
And all of the sudden, the little gentleman grabbed my hand. And he held on so tight. And I, being a singularly focused professional, was trying to pull him, not badly, but I was trying to get him the heck out of here. He just wouldn't move. It was like he took his toes and dug them into the cement. I mean, this kid was just solid. 70 pounds, I couldn't move him. I looked down at him. And his eyes are larger than I've ever seen them. He's got a smile bigger than any smile I've ever seen on him. Tears are streaming down his face. And I looked at him and I said, we have to go. And he pointed at the sky and he said, I've never seen fireworks before. How could I deny a kid under 10 years old his first fireworks experience? The fireworks ended. There were hundreds and hundreds of people around us. But they all had faded away in that moment when I looked at his face. I saw pure joy, unadulterated joy. Joy you don't get to see in people very often. The fireworks ended. He looks at me and he said, I will remember this day forever. That little gentleman showed me so much in that short period of time. He taught me that sometimes the agenda that you have is not the right agenda. He taught me that sometimes you need to just pause and take a moment and wait for what you want to see instead of being so impatient and running toward it. He taught me that sharing an experience like this with somebody who has never experienced it before can be a life-changing experience. My little gentleman was an angel to me that day. And that's where La La Land began for me. If I would have looked and assessed the situation, I might have just tried to get out of myself enough to ask him why he didn't want to leave. But I wasn't trained to ask him why. I was trained to get him to do the right behavior. He was an angel to me because he stopped me from being so in my head to share an experience that was life-changing with another human being. How often do you get that chance on this planet to share that first experience with a conscious human being, 
with somebody who can put it into words after not like a baby seeing your face for the first time, which by the way is wonderful. This was a, you know, preteen kid being able to explain the power of never seeing a firework before. He didn't let go of my hand. He held my hand entirely to the van. And I get to the van and the other family teacher is throwing daggers at me with his eyes. He was so upset. I mean, the kids were freaking out in the van. And I've got tears streaming down my face. And the, my little gentleman has tears streaming down his face. But we're both smiling from ear to ear. And he's so confused. Little gentleman gets in the van. I get in the front seat. And I turn to the other family teacher. And I say, he had never seen fireworks before. When you live in La La Land, You have the opportunity not to just be an angel to other people, but experience people maybe just being an angel to you. The beginning of the story, you might have thought that I was the one going to be an angel to this young boy, but it was not the situation. The situation was that he became an angel for me to teach me a life lesson I have never forgotten. That experience is so real to me today. I can tell you the colors of the fireworks. When he squeezed my hand during the the playing of the national anthem or the Stars and Stripes, it was the Stars and Stripes. I can tell you what I was wearing. I can tell you every aspect of that situation because it was so real. And he woke me up. I became a different human being that day. And that made me want to start telling other people about living in La La Land. Please remember, even if you're in your home, you can be in La La Land with your family, with your kids, with your parents, with your pets. There are times when La La Land applies to your pets. Look, listen, assess, or look, assess, listen, and act. I have a St. Bernard, he's 150 pounds, and my St. Bernard will come up to me, and there will be times I'm like, man, just leave me alone. And then I stop and think to myself, man, maybe he needs something. Because living in la-la land is not about you. It's about being the angel that's inside of you and letting that light out, opening up your wings, and helping somebody else live the life they deserve. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy life to listen to our podcast. Remember, a single change, no matter how big or small, can start you on your path to live your best life possible. You deserve it. We will see you on the other side of the mic soon. Have a wonderful day.